Hello and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. My name is Rory McNamara, taking you back in the time machine to, yep, you guessed it, November 2001. Yep, we haven't quite left it yet, but this is the last of three volumes, I promise you. Just to catch you up, our first volume, Chris White and I looking at the Rebellion UK pay-per-view. And volume two is where you want to go for our full review of Survivor Series 2001. Chris White is on that one too, along with Eric Landstrom and Chris Lacey. But here, we're going to do something a bit different for our third and final volume in November 2001 to see it on its way. We're going to focus on an especial edition of Monday Night Raw, the 19th of November 2001 edition to be precise. Yes, the one where the reset button was pressed and pressed really bloody hard. Uh, to go through the myriad happenings on that show, I have with me Davinda Vargas tonight. Davinda, thank you so much for joining me as always, my friend. I'm glad to uh, I'm glad to be back in the fold, and um, <laughs> this is going to be a good one. This 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 role is uh, pretty eventful, it, to say the very least. A, a very uh, experimental show, this one, I think, Davinda. But um, with somebody with your expertise, I think we're going to get through this one. Oh, don't make me blush. Let's just <laughs> I think the best thing to do is crack right into the raw from the 19th of November 2001. Yeah. So we actually get the revolutionary force in sports entertainment intro for this one, followed up by the same video package we received during Survivor Series, but this time with clips from the main event. So they haven't completely written the invasion out of history yet, but let's give it time, shall we? About ooh, maybe one hour and 28 minutes. We begin, though, with the WWF corporate jet, the one built from the tears of Bret Hart, according to Paul Heyman. Listen to volume two for more on that. And Mick Foley being summoned onto it by the kingpin himself. They have a little chat about Mick wanting a chair on the plane being named after him. And Vince, of course, opts for the dude love toilets. Mick then has a pop at Vince for making him no longer care about wrestling. He then quotes Plato at him. <clears throat> See, this is what we're going to miss, guys. And outright tells him he wants no part of the WWF any longer and resigns. VKM tries to fire him, but Foley won't even give him the satisfaction of that. And that is a good thing. McMahon merely wishes him to have a nice day on his way out. Well, Davinda, what a bizarre opening that was. That that was um that's a that that was a telling indication that it's just we're gonna we're gonna change a lot tonight. And it, it was just uncharacteristic with Vince McMahon, but at the same time, we were still used to him because as the night goes on, we see the side. You know, we see which side everybody's on. So we're still believing that we're on Vince's side as we cheered last night as the WWF won in the Survivor Series elimination match. So I was expecting the whole you're fired deal because in the segment itself, you know, in the segment itself, I thought he was playing heel because he was being his regular narcissistic self. But it was it was just a. And I, I, I feel bad for Mick because I feel like there is some truth behind all of that, uh, as evidenced by his promo a few weeks ago about everybody having titles and everybody having championships. But uh, it was definitely interesting. And it just makes you think like, OK, so who is uh, you're already wondering who's going to be the replacement and, and how it moves forward from here. I should say as well that Foley's comments here, along with the ones he made on the edition of Raw, on the go-home, as you've rightly mentioned, and on the pay-per-view itself, were broadly a shoot. He is completely disillusioned with the WWF. He has said in many, many comments over the last three or four months to various periodicals, to the point where he didn't really want to come back as the commissioner a couple of months ago. I'm very glad he did. But if you compare his, it must be said, rather brief 
commissioner role here to his one in 2000, it's night and day. And watching back now, I've seen a couple of the skits since about September time, his heart wasn't really in it. And as much as I love Mick Foley and even him half ass is better than most guys on their best day, I want him to be enjoying this stuff as well. And if he isn't, then it's probably best that he gets out of there while he can. Maybe, just maybe, Vince still has a modicum of respect outstanding for him while we didn't get the your fired deal for the second time in almost a year for Foley. Although I admit I was expecting it. But apparently that's it for Foley now. We said this this time last year and he did come back in time for WrestleMania. But I don't expect to see him at WrestleMania 18 or any other pay-per-views or anywhere else next year. It looks like he's finally finally going to be saying goodbye to us for the foreseeable future. <clears throat> so Vince spared Foley his ire, but just wait. <laughs> just you wait. Jim Ross is very happy with life, and he needs to just wait as well. At the moment, though, it's because he has sat alone at the announce table today. And who will join him? Maybe the victorious owner himself, who emerges to, eh, not much of a pop, it must be said. But tonight is a night for celebration all the same. We owe one person a huge debt of gratitude, and that one person is Olympic hero Kurt Angle. On this topic, the fans very much seem to agree. Only the title being worn by The Rock is the sole vestige of WCW now, by the way, and even that is having its name changed to the World Championship. Hard to say, isn't it? The World Championship. Nope, I can't do it. Vince makes a chilling reference to a new club called the Kiss My Ass Club, one member of the Alliance who seeks continued employment will be given such superlative good fortune if they, well, you get the picture. As for the leader of the Alliance, what's going to happen to him? Well, when he arrives, the EKM will execute his plans. Now we hear about the empty chair next to JR. And accordingly, Vince invites into the ring Paul Heyman. Oh, sorry, Jim. Paul has a lot to smile about for some reason, and he plonks himself next to Jim and says that he got away with it. But not so. Vince McMahon appreciates people who speak their mind and recalls what he was told on SmackDown last week. Again, more on that in volume two. He then needlessly tells us he is a First Amendment advocate. And then, equally needlessly, there's your fired. JR drops an Eye on the Walrus reference. Oh, what a day. And now Paul wants to fight for it, but so does JR. And my goodness me, was he laying those shots in. And as Heyman gets carted off, placement is announced as... Jerry the King Lawler. All is right with the world, at least at the announce table, proclaims Ross, as he fawns over Lawler in the same way the King himself will no doubt fawn over puppies later tonight and every night to come. So then, Davinda, Heyman out, Lawler back in. <sighs> Reset button, I tell you. Definitely. In a vacuum, you know, you look at Jerry Lawler and you, you think back you know, just a few years ago at the Attitude Era and how much fun that was on the commentary table. And then you look at Jerry Lawler's face and you see, you know, you, you mentioned that you want to see Mick Foley having fun to make to allow you to have fun. And that, that's what I felt with Jerry Lawler. He looked genuinely happy to be back. Uh, he got a great reaction. Heyman, it must be said, um, whatever plans they have for him in the future, this one exit performance was just great. Totally played it up, thought he was keeping his job. and kissing a little ass um and then the whole and then it, it was just funny like vince vince was like all right you want to fight let's go let's go it turned out took off his jacket jr got a couple shots in which was hilarious along with the you son of a bitch like at that rate that what, what would you call it the uh jr turning it up to 11 as oh, he yes. always does um 
it was it was just cool. It was cool to see that. I, I really hope just because of his performance value and his mind, I hope that Paul Heyman sticks around somehow in the in the company. But uh, it was it was cool to see Jerry Lawler back again. Another and just what two segments and two segments fr- uh, removed from Mick Foley's resignation. You're knowing that it's just it, it's a lot is going to change. Tonight. With ten minutes in, Foley's gone and Heyman's gone. And we barely even got started yet as far as all of that is concerned. But just quickly on Heyman before we move on, I don't think there are many people who are the contributors to the show or listeners who would have a bad word to say about Heyman's performance on the on the microphone over the last eight months or so. Give or take a few references to fax machines in some quarters. But what do you think of Heyman as a commentator? And what do you think they might have planned for him going forward? I, I thought he was great. I thought the dynamic between he, him and JR were just was just amazing. I just loved how JR would just shoot him these looks like he is so tired of this guy. And then it also allows uh, voices from both sides during the invasion angle. Mm-hmm. It allows voices from both sides. And not, not just heel, but also like that whole side, that whole company, so to speak. He was great. He, he was telling the stories and he did, um, he did give credit where credit's due. I remember uh, him referencing Kurt Angle's beautiful moonsault. That was when Kurt Angle was still a face, but he was great. The, the guy, he's a genius. He really is. I really hope, um, I hope like maybe on the creative side, he could just have so many characters, so much talent to work with. Like maybe he can contribute that way and come up with some crazy stories. I know um, I've always read reports about Vincent man being very uh, arrogant, but he likes the challenge. So I feel like he enjoys having people he butts heads with rather than yes men. I think that that in itself is point. I hope that's true. Well, I've, I have my doubts seeing who Vince McMahon does surround himself with, but I wonder if there might have been a bit of a trade-off here that Heyman was allowed to let rip and how on Vince McMahon on the go-home SmackDown. Yeah, I, I just feel like, on a, and I'm sorry to cut you off, go I ahead. just feel like one-on-one basis... I feel like he just, I feel like good stuff comes out of, you know, to, to quote Vincent Mann, like such good shit comes out of like mm. somebody who really challenges Vince and, and comes up with an idea that may represent the opposition, but something about that person will allow Vince to say, okay, I trust you. Here's a little bit of, here's a longer leash, you know? Stone yeah, that's Cole. it. Um, Paul Heyman at that promo, you know, he, he does allow some, Shawn Michaels like ran <laughs> roughshod all over the whole damn company because he allowed him to trust. But I just feel like good stuff. And, and you know, those characters are, are indications of such good content and good product that comes out of Vince trusting somebody who may not think the way he does. As a result of that ultra shoot just a few days ago, Vince has thought, okay, I'm going to give you that one. And now you're going to work for me. Mm-hmm. You're going to be afforded creative control, but that's all you're going to get. <laughs> but that's fine. Paul Heyman might be a creative genius. We know all too well that he's not a businessman. But if he's right. working for Vince McMahon, he doesn't need to be. And he can focus on the creative side. It very much remains to be seen how narrow a berth or wider berth he's going to be afforded. I do have my doubts at this point, let's say that. But Heyman, by all accounts, of what called the PW Torch, the Wrestling Observer, people in the know, that he's going to be given some pretty hefty leeway. Now, I think there are a lot of people on the roster, certainly bubbling around the mid-card, who I think Heyman can really do something with. And if Vince McMahon does give him enough of a green light, 
I'm cautiously optimistic for the future, especially if we're working from such a clean slate right now anyway, that Heyman can probably afford to do more than just doodle in the margins, but we'll see. And based on all of that, typically our next contest is for the Women's Championship. Mm -hmm. Patchwork running sheet. Lita versus our new champion, Trish Stratus. And here we go. Here's JR on commentary. Trish showed some emotion last night. Lawler. That ain't all she showed. <laughs> oh, dear. I counted three references to puppies before the first move was even landed. God, I miss King. Here our opinions might diverge just a little. Trish hits a baseball slide and jabs Matt in the teeth. He helps his gal back into the ring, but she is easy prey for a backslide and a win for the champion. This one was professionally competent. Or maybe competently professional. Not much to rate here. Let's move on. The Alliance champions and Test are accosted by Vince. I am pleased to report RVD remains exceptionally over. McMahon demands that he participate in a handicapped tables match versus the Dudleys. No animosity, of course. Christian is still very proud to be the European champion and to work with Vince again. And that gets very short shift. Here comes that match now. And I should say, of all the things I missed from Paul Heyman on commentary, his reads might well be number one. Crunch this and all of that. The WWF are now rightly positioning Van Damme as a full-on face, but I could have done with a bit more explanation. Hmm. More on that later. This is the last one from King I'm going to quote today. Where is Stacey Keebler from, JR? It can't be the Virgin Islands. <laughs> I'll let you... Oh, so yeah, there you go. <laughs> right on cue, Davinda. Okay, I'm glad somebody's laughing. Oh, <laughs> oh, uh, RVD goes for the five-star three-quarters of the way across the ring, but eats the table instead. The silly rules mean you have to be propelled through a table by your opponent, though. That's all a bit Jack Tunney, 1992. Eventually, though, he does get 3D through one, albeit only at the second time of asking. Uh, Davinda will break off there to have a brief chat about RVD. As I said there in the blurb, the WWF have switched him instantly to being a babyface, and given his popularity with the crowd, I do entirely understand that. But this guy was still fighting for the Alliance just one day before, and this is one of my biggest problems with this edition of Raw we're supposed to forget all too easily what happened just 24 hours prior so before we get into that I would like to make a request sir please do not sully the name of the great president Jack Tunney <laughs> he was a great authority <laughs> figure in the World Wrestling Federation as Bobby Heenan rightly said the best president since Noriega that's good enough for me <laughs> um i just i just think this is a this is uh geez i don't know it, it's it's kind of like the wwf fixing itself because throughout the entire invasion angle i was like there are no heels mm -hmm. on the wwf side there are no faces on the uh alliance side um despite crowd reactions where rvd was a face as soon as he walked in so they just um, they they just need to fix itself, and it's and it's uh, following the narrative uh, placed on the company by the by the by the crowd, and I, I don't think they'd they'd be able to present him as a as a heel with all that popularity. That I mean, the guy he just has a huge reaction every time he comes out, and um, the Dudleys in character. I don't believe they, they care about anybody but themselves. So I don't think they'd have a problem facing against anybody because they're That's in fair. it for themselves and they yeah. are brothers and we're in it together and alone. Uh, sure, we were on a team, but that didn't work out. So it's just us. I don't think they have a problem. Uh, you know, Bubba Ray's reaction aside, 
I think maybe that was just for confirmation, but uh, it's business. Let's go out there and we're going to win this match. Very good call on the Dudleys. I can buy them just going with whoever is the highest bidder, quite frankly. As long as they're together, that's all they need. I never really thought about that, but yeah, I'm on board with that one. And It's not as if they've tried to turn RVD heel again or anything. I know it's all about the heat, pal, but they're still going with the crowd, and quite rightly so. And RVD gets a lot of cheers in podcast headquarters, some more shrill than others. Uh, so I'm very glad that they're still doing that, make no mistake, but would have maybe have just liked a brief promo from him here at some point saying that, yes, even when he was fighting for the Alliance, he heard the crowd's cheers and now he's going to do it for that. I know it's a bit cheesy. I was rather cornball to say the very least, but at least it would be something. Luckily for him, the crowd, as you say, accepted him as a baby face four months ago. <laughs> so they don't need to change yeah. in that regard. But for the benefits of the storyline holding water, I could have done with a bit more here. But he's on the right side of the ledger. Thank goodness. Kurt Angle is here. He has a huge smile on his face, and so he should. He's going to be the number one babyface going forward, and quite rightly so, because he saved the WWF, right? Yeah, more on that later. <laughs> we'll come back to that, he don't did. worry. He did. He, he, that's, that's what, spoiler, he did. He bursts <laughs> in on The Rock in the World Champs dressing room. He tries to get a thank you from The Rock for saving the day and keeping the company in business. Again, that's what he did. The Rock states he would have won yesterday anyway, which is clearly not true. He then tries to make his heel return work to Zangle by bringing up bashing them in the head with chairs for the last month just so he could have his moments. I think it's disingenuous to say that. Angle's yeah, almost saves it though. And eventually we get to the challenge for the world title. And though I still haven't got used to typing or saying that, Rock knows that both Vince and Angle cannot be trusted. Okay, so that's where we're going with this. So we'll hold off and talk about Angle for a little bit later. We go outside now, and here come those two my wife calls the brat kids, and you know who she means. They even had to drive themselves to the arena today. Bloody cheek of it. <laughs> I know, right? Straight back to the ring with Daddy Dearest. He brings out the Rugrats to no music and no fanfare, which is a very cool touch. JR brings up the one saving grace with this part of the storyline by reminding us they poured their life savings into buying up the Alliance companies. But that is then leavened by Vince outright calling his daughter a slut. And yes, I know what the context was. He gives them a chance to speak their mind first. Shane kicks off and he knows the game is up. You won. I lost to the better man. Hmm. I wonder who wrote that one. <laughs> and then Simba is out of there. That was so sackcloth and ashes that even the chant of Shane's a pussy doesn't really get going. Stephanie, on the other hand, she tests out the hearing levels of our three cats for a bit. And this is legit. All three of our cuts left the room before she even ended her first line. <laughs> Absolutely true. They were they bolted quicker than Shane McMahon did. She did then goes on to light as they walked away. They had the right idea. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what it was. And then she goes on to call herself naive, and I am not going there. She then blames Shane for the whole bloody thing. Well, that's quite the cross to bear. Even Steph slapping her mother was his fault. Oh, and so is that nasty "I want you to die" business. The only thing she has left to say is, she's sorry. And Vince's matter-of-fact response, security, get this woman out of my ring. Say goodbye to daddy's little girl. So there they go. The chance would be a fine thing that we're not going to see them again for a while. Although I do have an interesting tidbit on Stephanie McMahon I shall share after your thoughts. But for now, touch wood, this is it for Shane and Stephanie. 
isn't it? Uh, I'm interested in Shane. I'm interested in the whole gracious exit deal. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Le- business-wise, I think that leaves an opening. You know, uh, kayfabe, right? You know, it leaves an opening for him to have a chance to continue to ha- uh, be employed by the company. Man, Stephanie's just, she's just so good when she's the victim. And it's hilarious. I love it. Um, I, you know, I'm a father too. I don't know if I'd say those words to my daughter, but um, it was just <laughs> just put it on the record, definitely. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, she's misbehaved a few times, but I don't know if I'd say any of those words. But hell, it's so fun to see somebody else do it. It was it was hilarious, <laughs> and um, it, it was just, it was just very tricky for the security because uh, you know. Uh, Stephanie is a young woman and she was wearing a skirt as she was being carried away mm-hmm. and I saw I saw the one guy in front of her like not even sure he's I'm just gonna walk I'm just gonna walk I'm not even gonna touch her because you know she was kicking her legs up and mm-hmm. I think I think being a gentleman maybe he was just trying to cover any oh, any, any no doubt yeah but um I don't know about Stephanie uh I'm interested to hear your tidbit but I feel like with Shane like I I because Shane, Shane is the the wrestler of the two. I feel like maybe he'll put Shane in a you know, a get your job back match or something. You know, or, or maybe Royal mm-hmm. Rumble deal, something. It'd be cool to see that. I was reading the PW Torch a couple of weeks before Survivor Series and this show, and she has apparently gone to her father and said that she was being shown too often on television. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your reaction shared to <laughs> the thousands of listeners right there. About what else is there to say, really, to that? Wow. Definitely a a rare blast of self-awareness yeah. to the point where I'm still not absolutely sure I'm buying it, but what can't speak can't lie and all that. And I'm prepared, perhaps undeservedly, but to give her the benefit of the doubt on this one and say that she might be onto something. Well, I mean, who who, who are we, right? <laughs> We're just a couple guys on a wrestling podcast. We we don't know her. So Stephanie's own words, we are just normal people. We're the ones who bring her her drinks and clean up her table. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I would agree with that. I don't know if that's a if it's a if it's a sentiment she shares. I do I do believe that the, a break needs to. I, I mean I I feel the same way with Vince. Like let the product be about the wrestlers. It's mm-hmm. it's it's constantly about you know the whole invasion became. McMahon versus McMahon, and the same thing oh, yeah. you said about WrestleMania 2000, and and it's I understand that they're entertaining characters, and I understand that that um, they can carry a segment and they can get reactions like no other. And you know, as part of it is is it's like it's like half and half. Part of it is fault of the talent. Like you need to watch this and find out how to get a reaction. But at the same time, whoever's booking this stuff, um, the McMahons. But just go go to the office, like just go go work, you know. Let let the talent be the selling point and the reason people buy pay per views. <laughs> good good luck with that. <laughs> Noble sentiment. Thanks. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm going on the road with it. I'm trying to campaign for this, but I don't know if I'll be successful. Be chaining yourself to the gates of Titan Towers. <laughs> <laughs> the one guy with the picket sign. Just on Stephanie, yeah, I'm. I have to applaud her if she did say that. I do wonder if that's rather embellished and it's 
been passed down through many hands and there's a bit of the old game of whispers going on here and it's now just been purported that it was Stephanie herself who said that. Doesn't have enough goodwill in the bank for me to completely believe that she did actually put forward herself that she should be taken off television or at least not featured as often. But the proof of the pudding in the eating and all of that and there are no plans, at least currently, for the McMahon for son and daughter anyway to appear on tv again and from a storyline perspective that makes sense at least doesn't it no they've got nothing now they sold their stock and there's no reason for them to be on tv right now they're no longer affiliated with the company in kayfabe so unless you want to drag out the mcmahon family drama again of them trying to get their jobs back and let's face it i'm sure at least one of their number probably considered putting that on the run sheet then it does tie up that element of the story fairly nicely. I'm not going to say that very often tonight, but on this one, it does. I think Shane taking his lumps the way he did, Devinder, I think you're right. We possibly haven't seen the end of that one. I think much like with Shane and Stephanie selling their stock back in July, Shane being so oddly accepting of the situation it could be a seed planted. Yeah, it's another wait and see, really. But if Vince and his business partner are going to be all over the shows right now, as they're going to be, as the Raws and SmackDown prove, I can't really see another spot for Shane at this point. But you can never, ever rule it out. Nor can you with Stephanie. But I'm still prepared at this point to say that she knew what was going on. And how, I wonder, how, here's a question, just briefly now. What would be the composite total of TV time in minutes maybe even in years, that Stephanie McMahon has actually taken up since December of 1999. It's going to total about 63 years. She's a, she's an entertainer. She's a big fan. Oh, yeah. like, they're just so, oh man, they're so good. They're so good at what they do. Whether it's heel or face, like mm-hmm. she is her father's daughter, probably the most in facial expressions and getting the story. You can put the TV on mute and no one know what's going on. Oh, I have. Once or twice in that situation. <laughs> Your cats did. Your um, oh, poor they, things. You know they're they're just they're just really good, and it's something that caught fire. That you know some, you know not many people thought it was gonna work back in '97, and in '98, and I think they're just milking it for as long as they can, and and rightfully so. I mean, I it's get it. Business. Make your money, uh, and what's working is working, but it should really be a testament to the talent. Like, sit down, take some notes, and look at what they're doing, and. And take a chance on yourself and, and, and you know, be over the top as they are. And people are going to want to see you get your ass kicked. In every sense of the phrase, they really do the business. So here is the conspiracy victim himself, Mr. Chris Jericho, and he accosts Vinny in the back. Or rather, it's the other way around. Why did Y2J take such a huge risk by attacking The Rock last night? His ego got the best of him, and he is sorry. But Vince doesn't like guys with big egos, just massive ones. Oh, boy. Shoot alert. What's the opposite? Oh, no, great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's too true. I mean, what is the opposite of cognitive dissonance? Jericho will go one-on-one with Kane tonight. Oh, and by the way, Mr. T is here too, just because. Right, we've got a match to sink our teeth into now at last. Here comes Rock versus Angle for the World Championship. Nope, still doesn't sound right, but that's the whole point. The crowd have at least bought the snake oil here as they chant Angle sucks. Hope you kept the receipts. The usual strong TV match between the two here. No more than that, but at this stage, we don't need any more than that. Angle slam goes up and the straps go down, but Rock rolls through the ankle lock and holds onto the legs for a three count. That was a very good finish. If Angle has to take a pin, and 
I suppose, yeah, there are worse ways to do it. But after a rock bottom, Jericho is out, and he is definitely not done with the Brahma Bull yet. Ankle Lock is back on as Y2J taunts his nemesis and clamps on the walls of Jericho for good measure. And then for excellent measure, he does it twice. I think I know who our top two heels are going forward. But at the moment, though, we've only got one top face. Or have we? So, Davinder, again, I want to hold off on Angle for a little while, but I'd like to get your thoughts on Jericho right now. This has been coming for a good six to eight weeks, but now he is fully minted as what looks like the number two heel going forward, maybe even number one. So your thoughts on him pulling the trigger on the Jericho turn finally? Rightfully so. Uh, On the turn itself, um, there is, uh, you know, logically speaking, it's like, did you get a deal with the Alliance? Do you have a deal with the Alliance? And, and, you know, now that they lost, are you out of a job? How does that work? But, it seems like it was just like he got fed up with the rock, his ego, like like you said, and, and like that conversation was had. It was about his ego, and he just didn't think about the big picture and just decided to attack the rock. When it comes to Jericho, though, like being positioned as a top heel, um, it's it's well deserved. The guy has really been, he's been like putting in his work the past few months, and not saying that he hasn't in the past five years, but. He's really clocked in and went to work. There's no half-assing. He's, there's never a bad match. And if it is, it's probably one very small, minuscule detail of a mistake. But um, he's always shown he can give great reactions, even as a heel. Um, he kept up with The Rock. He wasn't, he wasn't overshadowed in that feud. He got that win. He beat The Rock for the WCW champion or whatever, the, the world championship now. You know, about that, didn't they called the main title the world championship many times like oh yeah that's the company yep i don't so so that one isn't for the world anymore anymore it's only for the company and now <laughs> isn't that WCW enough w is for the world uh it's okay what does that tell you um, i digress <laughs> um but when it comes to jericho i i just uh long time coming very well deserved the guy's awesome uh he's an evergreen talent and uh always puts up good matches and it's just going to be good because his his heel turn is so fresh that there's just so many scenarios for great matches uh, with a lot of the people on the face side. Um, there's just so many scenarios, whether it's Rock, Austin, Undertaker, Kane. You know, it, it's it's gonna it's gonna be cool, and I, I'm looking forward to it. But him, him being positioned as a top heel. Um, good timing on it and very well deserved yes i agree of all the turns on this show jericho's the one i have the least problems with it's been coming for a very long time he has a legitimate reason he beat the rock for the whatever belt six weeks ago and he still doesn't think he's getting the respect and to get it out of people if that means possibly putting the wwf out of business in the survivor series match then so be it he's putting himself ahead of the company and those are the actions of a true shithead. And you know, you know, um, Jake the Snake Roberts has said in the past, a good heel feels justified in Absolutely. every decision that he does. And this is the epitome of that. If you mm-hmm. look at it just by those details that you mentioned, I see nothing wrong with what he did. There you go. That's it. Not only does a heel have to feel he's justified, you can look at it from a certain angle and think, you know what? They're out and out correct. 
And Jericho's not really wrong on a lot of the things he's done here. He's just handled it in such a way that you have to end up booing him. So having you know, to watch gonna, the fall probably does help. Me. You're going to have to forgive me, but I'm going to totally name drop here. But Al Snow told me that I'm a heel in somebody's stories and everybody is a heel in somebody's story. He's like, you always feel justified in every decision you've made, but somebody has a problem with one decision that you made in the past. That's all you need. There you go. That would explain why Al Snow was so sluggish in his match against Christian at Survivor Series. He'd been up talking to you all night. <laughs> yeah, Jericho's got it. And I've been very critical of him over the last 12 months, although I've come around to him more and more since probably about May time. And I think he does his best work as a heel. Certainly what we've seen in the course of this project. I think he's going to be a very different character to how he was in WCW in 98, 99. I think all the better for that. I think he's got a more ruthless streak now. I don't think this is the time to break out the comedy as good as he is at it from the bad guy perspective. I've had a lot of issues with his stuff as a face, but maybe that's not all entirely his fault. Uh, he's got free reign now. He's explained himself perfectly on the Raws and Smackdowns. He's beaten people up. He's in as sadistic as he can possibly be within his own confines and i'm excited about it i think he's got a lot to offer we'll talk a bit later about what he might really have coming his way but jericho is in the place he needs to be now i'm just not sure too many other people are but davinda you were speaking just now about no half-assing and no chance in hell strikes up again as we are about to find out who will be inducted into the kiss my ass club you don't just throw these things together either oh fucking hell vince obviously tells us to get our cameras out and you know he will have his own pictures of this in the study before Tuesday lunchtime. And emerging is a suited and booted William Regal. Wearing what we used to call jobbing face, but I suppose is now bobbing face? Get it? <laughs> my show, my <Ace>. rules. <laughs> McMahon lays out the simple rules. You must kiss my ass. And oh yes, he means it literally. I don't think Vince McMahon does figuratively anyway, so he's right. <laughs> it's all there. He needs to kiss his bottom. Vince helpfully tells him what side to go on, okay? And then down, <laughs> come, the, down come the slacks, and I really am typing this. Here's Vince again. It doesn't hurt. Hmm, is that the voice of experience? It's a nice-looking ass. Vince! It's broken. It's cracked. Vince. And watch. I can even make my ass do tricks. Watch this. <laughs> Don't cut the cheese. Riddle's not looking. Riddle's not looking. Kiss my ass. I'm not about to let anybody kiss my ass who has chap lips. Oh, no, you're kidding. Put that on. <laughs> and now he's got to use Vince's own chapstick. <laughs> Can I borrow your toothbrush? Oh, I'm so glad to be back to see this. <laughs> I thought Regal, I, I just don't think Regal's going to go through with this. What do you mean? Put it on. Let's get this over with. he got some big lips, too. He can French kiss a moose. Come on, get down there and kiss it. Now, damn it, kiss my ass. Join the club. Charter member. <laughs> Is he going to do it? <laughs> oh, I'm about to faint. What if he passes pass gas? Oh, it. I don't believe it. This is the greatest moment in the history of the WWE. The dignified William Regal, that's what he's going to do. And then, just to prove I wasn't making this all up and it wasn't some kind of fever dream, that's why I've just played in the audio. I wouldn't do it for any other reason, believe me. Because one application of chapstick later, 
Regal does the chopping deed. And of course, we get two action replays. Oh. So then, Davinder, be honest. At the beginning of the show, when Vince McMahon talked about somebody joining the Kiss My Ass Club, did you think that even Vince McMahon, even Vince McMahon, would go this far? Admit it. Yes, you did, because I did too. <laughs> I'd like to answer your question with another. When you started this podcast, and <laughs> yes. I, I enjoy being part of this podcast, um, I'd like to, uh, it, it needs to be said, uh, the group chat that we have is probably one of the most positive wrestling group chats that I'm we tried. part of. You are such a distinguished gentleman, and I hope to have a cup of tea with you one time if I ever visit your site. I'll make sure of it, sir. Did you ever think that you would type that in a review of a show you were getting to, you were getting ready to broadcast? Did you ever think, as a wrestling fan, starting this wrestling twenty years ago podcast, that you would uh, be covering such an event? Absolutely not. The Vince McMahon. Of 1993, or at least the Vince McMahon we knew of in 1993, is a far cry from the Vince McMahon of 2001. We've grown up, if that's the right expression, with him over the last eight years. If you'd asked me this a month or so ago, I might have had a different answer. But when we all decided to do this in the August of 1993 because we saw Lex Luger getting the rocket push and we wanted to be there for his story and we want to how well that turned out, I would not have thought that eight years and three months later, I would be watching Vince McMahon getting his ass out for an employee to actually kiss it to keep his job as part of a television storyline. You know, <laughs> that just shows the journey we've all undertaken together over the last eight a years. A hell of a journey. Oh, from the a winding path to, indeed. To, uh, <laughs> um, you know, you know si sitting back and watching the segment, you can argue that William Regal deserves better um, because of... Uh, just the legend that he is and, and just just a great wrestler and, and a hell of a talent very smart man but at the same time William Regal will take anything you give him and make it entertaining he's another one with the best facial expressions and I was just I wasn't angry at this I was cracking up like because you gotta you gotta believe that pro wrestling is a is a traveling circus. They have many audiences that they're trying to bring in, um, not just the diehards, but some casual people that will probably look at this and still change the channel. But it would uh, it, it's it's catering to different audiences. There has to be comedy and some drama and some real cool stuff and stuff like that. I'm not defending the segment. I'm just saying it was funny as hell. And William Regal is just a big part of that segment as McMahon's ass was. Um, McMahon looked like he liked it, though. After uh -huh. it, 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 so he just. got a little smirk on his face. He's like, hey, that was kind of nice. But, um, God, I can't believe what I just, I can't believe that. I don't know if William Regal, like, walked into work and he goes, hey, Regal, come in. We're going to, this, this is what we're going to do. Like, <laughs> um, jeez, this is. Just glanced at it on the run sheet. Yeah, okay. Did a, maybe a double take. Check the call sheet, yeah. Um, God, he must have heard it from everybody when he walked to the back. But um, kayfabe-wise, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Like, Just like you said about Heyman, like, uh, you work for me now. So what I say goes. So, yeah, mm -hmm. you can try to do whatever you want, um, but I'm st I still got the final say. So... 
kayfabe-wise, you want to keep your job, you still want to be employed and get a check every couple weeks, then, then pucker up, baby. And um, it, uh, it was a hell of an entertaining... I don't know how, how long they're going to take this, but it, it's funny as hell. I was laughing. I admit I was laughing too. Laughter of disbelief, but laughter nevertheless. We will sadly talk about another example that occurred seven days later that I really wasn't laughing at. That we'll get to that one. For now, I'm not sure I'd go as far as to call this harmless fun, because let's face it, Regal only applied chapstick, and I'm not sure that was really enough. <laughs> but I'll leave that one hanging in the air, pun intended. But he went ahead and did it, and Regal is just... Well, I'm almost selling him short by saying what a great sport he is. It's, I do hope he was flung a few extra quid for doing this. It, it, I'd like to think so, that this did what didn't go completely unrewarded. Yeah, this is something Vince McMahon has wanted many, many people to do to him over the last 17, 18 years, I shouldn't doubt. And now it's taking place before our very eyes, Regal being the conduit for many other promoters, I should not doubt. But... Uh, the campiness was there, and at least at this stage, I'd like to think that Vince McMahon, the person, we'll call him that for now, was at least aware enough of the ridiculousness of this situation. As he so often does, he took it way too far. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But here, I'm not going to call it a blue ribboned moment for the year. I hope this doesn't come up when we have our end of year review awards in about a month's time and this, this gets nominated for best segment. I won't go that far with it because, again, best segment is a pun I really don't want to bring up here either. But it did what it had to do. And you know, shouldn't Regal be in line for something pretty special after this right now? If that wasn't special enough, I sincerely hope so. But more on the Kiss My Ass Club later. It's not a one and done. Jericho and Kane have to follow that. Good luck. We did at least give it five minutes. Not much to this one as Y2J takes the easy way out with some chair shots for the DQ. Unfortunately, then Jericho legit tries to put the walls of Jericho on him, but only at the third attempt. That was rather frustrating. He all but fell over the first couple of times. Need to work on that one a bit. An irate angle finds Edge and demands another thank you. Edge, of course, saved his own job by being a double champion and then does his best to explain the Booker's plans re-angle yesterday. Regal quickly beats Taz in a couple of minutes. That almost makes up for it. Well, almost. Nobody has appreciated Angle today except for Big Vinnie Mac. And who will do so even more now? By allowing him to be the WWF champion? Why don't we take a walk out to the ring? Curiouser and curiouser. And here we are. Vince thanks Kurt on behalf of every fan here today. And sure enough, many of them do have pro-angle signs. See? They get it. Vince lays it on thick, though, by calling him an Olympic hero. See also, typical Stone Cold, don't show up. Okay, that was good. We need a champion with dignity, class, and credibility. And although Austin isn't here to have the belt stripped from him, Vince is going to hand it over right here and now. Devinder, lots to that segment, which we'll get to, but we're going to stop here. We can now properly talk about Angle officially turning heel. Or I suppose turning back healers. Didn't he turn face with the Survivor Series? But never mind. He's officially minted as a heel again now. And I'm not absolutely entirely sure what to make of it yet. I really don't buy their explanations. But I'll let you have your say on this one first. I'm going to agree with you. Um... But there, there is something to contest, you know, the general feeling when somebody watches this. Like, I want to say that if, if you were there and this guy just wouldn't shut up, 
like, all right, bro. Okay, we got it. Like, you, you, you helped. And thank you, know, thank you, and all that stuff. But all right, like, shut up about it, will you? I think like the idea of of him doing it all night and having those multiple segments of him, like, hey, you know, I was supposed to be thanked. And you should thank me. I feel like it's no different than his own debut at Survivor Series 1999, two years ago, where mm, yeah, to a fault. He was just expecting praise and expecting adulation. And, it, and, you know, when he voices that, it just upsets people and annoys people. Then that turns him heel. That's exactly what happened in his debut. He was expecting, like, hey, I'm an Olympic gold medalist. You guys should be cheering me. Why aren't you cheering me? You don't boo. Don't boo me. And I think that's exactly what he did um, that night at, at, at Raw because... He was like, "Hey, man, I saved the WWF. You, you, you got, you have your job thanks to me. You should be thanking me. Why aren't you thanking me?" I think, I think it was that kind of performance, and it was that kind of motivation to turn him heel. And I think with that little detail, I feel like there's a a good explanation on why he turned heel. I absolutely get that, and I don't doubt that's what they were looking for and it works eventually but i think i'm just being selfish here i wasn't ready to give up angle being a face to be honest if we say that his original turn on the wwf back in october i think it was then it's so hard to keep track on this was him pretending to do so and he really was just the mole then he's still really been a face for just four months i'm stretching out as far as i can there i just wasn't ready to give up cheering for angle to be honest i think he's been a magnificent face I, I don't either. And, you know, the, the, his, his baby face around the past couple of months has been amazing. Um, I just think from a storyline perspective, that's your explanation. And, and if, it, if it upsets you, like it, like it upset me too. Like I was like, man, I, I wish he was stay. I, I thought he was a good guy. But, you know, stepping back in retrospect, hindsight is twenty twenty, and you're trying to find out what's the reason or how that happened or why does it make sense. When he does turn face finally again, I just feel like it'll just be that much bigger. It's a good point. Yeah, I think that I wonder if they really expected Angle to get as over as he did as a face because he was white hot during those two, three months. And obviously, we need to bear in mind the circumstances of how he won the WWF title in September. I won, of course. But he's still there in his hometown. Uh, It had still been coming for many weeks leading up until that after the incredible SummerSlam match. At that time, a couple of weeks before that, when he led the crowd in the Pledge of Allegiance. They were with this man. They really, really were. And we will talk a lot more about Kurt Angle Babyface Edition on our end-of-year award show, so I don't want to gush too much here. I'm going to steal myself for that one. We're recording it in a few days' time. Uh, They did try. It's not as if they just brought him out with no explanation, which they very nearly did with one or two other people here. They set it out right from the very beginning with Angle, as you say, just trying so hard to get everybody's thanks, just like he did two years ago. So they had it set. They played it out. And Angle, of course, was excellent in the role. But from my own personal perspective, they probably could have tweaked the story here or there. But I'm not the fantasy booker of our team. If Eric Landstrom was on here, I'm sure he could have found a way. Maybe I'll ask him next week. But Angle is a heel going forward. And let's face it, he's still a fucking great one. But now, but now. It's time for the party crasher. So that I would have the distinct honor of stripping him of the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Whoa. In the absence of that, Kurt, 
allow me, as the sole owner of the World Wrestling Federation, allow me to... Wait a second. What is that? It can't be what I think it could be. But it is! What? There's the Nature Boy! What's he doing here? Nature Boy Ric Flair! He lives here in Charlotte! And there's a standing ovation here at the Coliseum in the Queen City! Wait a minute! He's got no business here! He's a party crasher! This is Kurt Angle's moment of glory! Don't steal Kurt Thunder! Yes, everybody, you heard correctly. Rick Effin Flair shows up, making his first appearance in the WWF for almost nine years. He's back on Raw, though, so that's some fine continuity as well. But he's clearly just there to get a cheap hometown pop, or perhaps, as Vince puts it, solely to give his opinion, because why not? But nope, he's here because, as he so often does, <laughs> Rick Flair bet on a winner. When the kiddies sold their stock to the consortium, the consortium was him. He and Vince are now 50-50 partners in the exact way that business doesn't work. But never mind. Vince sells that by holding his ear. And I cannot remotely do that any justice. Just please seek out video of Vince holding his ear to sell this. <laughs> <laughs> he did something similar with Bobby Heenan on primetime 10 years ago. But this far exceeds that. I, I like to think I'm pretty descriptive on these programs. But I cannot even come close. You've got to watch the tape of it. It's astounding. But so then, Devinder, Ric Flair is back in the WWF. The day after, WCW finally falls in storyline, so I'm sure there's something in that. And, by all accounts, he's not going to wrestle. Well, I'll believe that when I see it, or don't. But what do you make of the Nature Boy back in the Federation for the first time in nearly nine years? I thought it was great. I'm, I, I uh, don't watch much WCW. I was always raised on WWF and didn't have cable, so I couldn't watch WCW. But um, his WWF run, you know, 1992 Royal Rumble and, and WrestleMania, uh, it, just, it was just great. He was, he was one of the best ever. Like NWA, WCW, and Jim Crockett and WWF. It's just really cool. Um, when it comes to the whole, you know, a day after the alliance ending, uh, I guess there was a timing issue with the contract details. Like maybe they didn't want to waste what could have been maybe a month and a half or something of him on the Alliance side. Mm. Maybe, uh, maybe it was just like, you know what, we're going to end this storyline after we're done with that. Then we bring you in as this. Cause it would have just, I felt like with such a big name, it would have been, it would have just been a waste. Like, Oh, all you got was a month of Ric Flair, you know, backing up the Alliance and stuff. 
Plus the fact um, as well, just to come in quickly, if you bring in Ric Flair early and he's on the Alliance side, who are supposedly the heels, no, he's getting cheered more than RVD is. Let's not forget that. And Vince is not going to let that happen. Oh, yeah. He would have he would have easily been cheered, um, not seen as... A, he would have had to... And, and it's not hard for Ric Flair to, like, really make you boo him, but I don't, I don't know if that would have worked. Looking back, and I... I and I've never thought of this. I just don't know if that would have worked. Because everybody is saying, why didn't they get the big guns when they got the alliance? How, where was, where was uh, Hogan and Nash and Hall and, and Flair? Looking back now, I really don't think it would have worked. Because he just would have been cheered so much. And they would have, even when, even when they feel like they need to boo him, they probably wouldn't want to boo him. Um, but that's, that's neither here nor there. That's another conversation for another day. Um, Flair coming back is awesome. The, um, before we get to the next entrant of this segment, I just feel maybe I should wait till we talk about that. But there was just a, a little stare down. Not a stare down, but more like just two men looking each other in the eye. And it was pretty exciting for me to see a potential future matchup. Yeah, do you reckon we'll get it? I hope so, right? I hope so. Because I'm ready for it already. That's one, that's one of the be best wonder. ever against one of the hottest superstars ever in the history. Like, these are the two, that's it. Like, these are the two top guys. All due respect to anybody else, but oh, Jesus, this ticket sales and the merchandise that Stone Cold sold and the history behind Flair, it, was, it, it would just be insane. We're going to have to wait a while for it, I think, judging by the alignments, which we're coming to in a second. Yeah, but... definitely, definitely, because we're, <laughs> we're trying to reset everything today. Well, I've done. they succeeded, but maybe we'll get there once, I hope so. Just a note on Flair, he's pretty adamant that he's not going to wrestle, and though I still don't believe him, no, I don't believe Stephanie McMahon earlier, I don't believe Ric Flair now. If he is not, at least in a angle-based match by the early summer, and I think that's probably the latest. No, you can very much call me a Dutchman. You know, I, I, I just, no, it's the pull is too great for Ric Flair. I am sure that when he was offered this role and he was told he was going to be an on-screen owner of the company, you know, he jumped at the chance because it's a chance for Slick Rick to get down and dirty on the mic. And you know how much he loves that. Gets a bit of back and forth on Vince McMahon. There's a bit of residual there, no question. But Ric Flair wants to be in the ring. And one way or the other, that's where this is going to go. Be it the match with Austin, a match even with Vince, God forbid. But we're going to be seeing it sooner rather than later, despite his protestations to the contrary. But this segment was very, very hot. I do think the town they chose to do it in probably helped. As I say, mathematically, yep. Flair's claims that he could be the joint owner of the company make no sense whatsoever. No, business doesn't work like that. No, no, There's no such thing as a 50-50. But then I suppose you could say that the WWF isn't really a pucker business, but that's another discussion for another day. And it's probably, this was 11 o'clock local time when it went out on the Monday live. I doubt too many people were diving into macroeconomics when they were watching it. So most sensible people other than in this household decided to let it slide. But I'm very, very interested. They're going for an odd couple thing. Judging by the few segments we've seen between these two over the coming two weeks as well. I think they're both relishing the chance. They're playing off each other nicely because it's really this simple. Vince is Vince and Flair is Flair. 
and that's all it needs to be for a while and it's working i think it helps too that their segments together are actually quite short they're not taking up 20 minute promos at the start of each program i think then it would wear very very thin early i think flair would probably get a bit exposed there as heretical as it might be to say but for now very very tentatively I'm going to see where this one goes. I mean, they're both Walter Matthau, really, if you want to break it down that way and continue the analogy further, because neither of them really suit Jack Lemon in any way, shape or form. But anyway, let's keep it going. It's one of the better things to come out of this roar, in my opinion. Can we just uh, admire, like, Blair's announcement of being the consortium? Because <laughs> yes. that sentence took about 27 seconds for him to say. You know, he said the consortium... And he said, "Woo!" And then he did his dance <laughs> and the, the the taking off the jacket and the bouncing of the ring, which made the camera shake and the 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 announce the commentating kind of pushing it and the crowd just kind of the crowd was just uh, what would you call it? it was swelling. The crowd was mm-hmm. just getting up like, "Is this real? Is this real?" And he's and he hits him with the jet flying limousine riding. And the hug, and it was just great. Like, <laughs> yeah, Blair's face is like, we're gonna love this. This is gonna be so much fun. When you when you talk about um, I just want to make one point. When you talk about the pull of wanting to get in the ring, um, I think what what should be noted is that WCW in its dying days was not the best place to work. Oh, uh, to say a the lot very of least. <laughs> at, there were there were a lot of decisions being made, and and the, the morale was down. Uh, from reports, right? I mean, I wasn't there, but from reports, the morale was down. There was a lot of bad decisions being made. Uh, talent was unhappy. I'd really, I'd really uh, like to take into consideration maybe Flair just isn't ready. Maybe I mean he wrestled his last match in a shirt, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 it's like, what if he's not ready? What if he doesn't think he can do it? What if they beat him down so damn bad over there that he's just like, nah, I'm not gonna. It, it, you know, it's it's fine. I'll just do this. I won't get in the ring. So, if that's true, like, it's 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 sad, you know, as a human being. Um, and it's it's even more sad as a wrestling fan because, like you said when you announced him, he's Rick fucking Flair. So, I would hope that he still knows he's the Nature Boy. But I think we do need to take into consideration that maybe his headspace isn't you know, in the right place to think that he can still do it. Perhaps. Yeah, that's, I can see that. Or at least I'd like to see that. We're all allowed one bout of self-awareness in our lives. Stephanie might have had hers a couple of weeks ago. Maybe this is Rick Flair. I know she did. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Something in the water in November. Anyway, just as we are recovering from that, now the glass smashes. And Austin is here to defend Vince McMahon. After all, he's the one person who believed in him. The one person who gave him the love he wanted. Oh, no, he's just going to beat him up. Oh, okay. Oh, he's going to beat up Angle, too, I suppose. And I guess we're doing it this way, then, are we? Anyway, just to make sure we get it, Flair and Austin tease a stare down, as mentioned earlier, and then share many a beer. And that's how we go off the air with this again. So, Davinda, I'm going to throw to you here. I totally get it with Austin. I understand why they've done this. Ever since he officially turned heel and shook hands with the devil in Houston seven months ago, Austin turning back face could have happened at any time. Absolutely Mm -hmm. did. It's now, the day after the Survivor Series, when the Alliance, the Invasion, 
are no more. The very alliance that he was not the mole for, when he was fighting for the alliance yesterday, as far as I can tell, he really was fighting for them. And now, because he's thrown a few shots at Vince McMahon, a couple at Kurt Angle, and shared a beer or two with Ric Flair, we're supposed to forget about it that easily? Judging by the fans, they have, so who am I to judge? But I'm getting ahead of the game on this one. Austin turning back face, although I'm personally disappointed, I understand it, but I don't think they've done it the right way. They've taken the easy way out, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on all of that? I think easy way out was the only way out. Um, no, I, I don't believe Austin was ever a heel or face. He was always the same dude. I, fe- I feel like his actions never changed. You know, with with the exception of maybe like, what was it? Saving Stephanie McMahon from being Undertaker's bride or something like that. But I, I just feel, I feel he was never like the uh, the best law-abiding citizen to be a face, you know? Um, <laughs> True I enough. Don't think, I, don't think, I don't think anybody ever wanted to boo him. Um, I still think he was getting cheered. He was getting crazy reactions. Um, there was one point I wanted to make. Oh, so I, I, I believe in the same vein as the Dudleys. He was just looking out for himself. He goes, hey, I'm still champion. That's still my belt. And I'm going to, you know, I never, Austin hit me last night and I, I still don't like McMahon. It is the easy way out. But when you said at the top of the, of the show that this is the hardest of all hard resets, it really is. Like that segment in the beginning of Vince, like he was there for a while and he was, it was almost like he was fixing everything. Like Lawler's back, Paul Heyman's gone. This is what's happening with the titles and this is what's that. And now the world title is the world title and the other world title is not the world title. And whatever, however that's going to work. But, you know, uh, as evidence as like the past three WrestleManias, I want to say, WrestleMania used to be the spot where you would wrap it all up. All your storylines would conclude and we would move on to something different, new characters, new challenges. I think 90, 99, 2000, 2001, all WrestleMania matches were rematches the next month, you know? And I think we just didn't get, we just kind of forgot what that felt like. And I think this hard reset is is uh, kind of jarring for all of us fans. The I'm I'm trying to make sense of it because sometimes I play devil's advocate for WWF, but it is it is very confusing. But if that's what it is, then okay, I'm gonna take this ride with you. I guess it's gonna be Flair and Austin versus Angle and McMahon. Yeah, Angle is like top heel, you know, and you know Stone Cold is positioned as top face, and you got. Jericho and Rock right behind them, feuding with each other. So it gives you a lot of stories to intertwine and six people at the top, you know, to make a bunch of stories. And you have matches for like the next year between all of these, you know, maybe six months, but that's, that's pretty much what it is. It's like, you know what? Uh, we messed up. My bad. <laughs> but this is, this is how we're fixing it. And this is what it is. And you're like, okay. So Flair's back and Austin's a face. And, uh, I guess Angle's going to go for the championship. Angle's, you know, McMahon's top top talent. 
you know, on kayfabe side. It, it it was the easy way out. It really was. But I think they, they the the reset button was probably also the panic button. Then. Mm-hmm. They're right next to each other for a reason. Control yeah. out the sure now at this point. <laughs> Both shining red and looking oh so juicy. All I will say is this, in defense of this edition of Raw, the 19th of November 2001, where I think too much happened. Ridiculous thing to say about a WWF TV show, but in general, too much happened. But I am going to say this in defense of it. I just could not wait for the invasion angle to end. Say more of that on volume two, a lot more of that from all of our contributors. The tedium was just insurmountable for weeks and weeks and weeks i could not wait to get to survivor series and see the back of it as many problems as i have and had and will continue to have from this edition of raw i cannot say that i'm not intrigued say a lot of freshness has been put into the product at the time it was really needed again it might not be where i might have sprinkled the dust but some form of stalk is going to come out of this isn't it (laughs) <laughs> will it be a beanstalk will it be some other kind of stuff i don't know yet no. but that's that is keeping me excited and this is at the time of year november december into leading up to the rumble which are normally normally the most fallow period for the wwf but as you say they've done virtually a night after wrestlemania style execution here and that is to their credit it's not what i would have done but i am just only one man in this out of millions and millions around the world I'm not Vince McMahon, <laughs> to say, because you were confused, weren't you? So I'm very prepared to, as Scott Come on, you don't, want your, you don't want to have your ass kissed? <laughs> uh, the general manager of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. That's all I'm going to say on that one. <laughs> as Scott Keats said, let's let it play out and see where it goes. I'm just a girl who can't say no. I'm in a terrible fix. Two more things to quickly discuss before we finally, finally said goodbye to November 2001. And it's a quick return to the Kiss My Ass Club, I'm afraid. Yes, I told you, he just couldn't leave well alone, could he? So the week after that raw day we're in, Oklahoma City. Remember the last time we were there? JR was humiliated, beaten up by Austin. Open him up! And all of that. Have you worked it all out yet? And so he originally wanted Steve Austin to kiss his ass. But... A couple of weeks too late on that one, and Austin was eventually chased out by Vince's new heavies of the Dudleys, Test, Christian, Regal, Just Go With It, etc. JR found this extremely funny, and he really needs to work on his fake laugh, but never mind. Vince McMahon caught wind of this and drags him into the ring and forces Hillbilly Boy mm -hmm, to kiss his ass, becoming the second member of the club. But then Rollin strikes up, and here comes The Undertaker, and all is supposedly right with the world. Until suddenly, Undertaker says that after he has kissed Vince McMahon's ass, almost literally, (laughs) as far as we know, for the last 11 years, and that JR saying that he doesn't want to kiss Vince's ass, that, hang on a minute, is that JR saying that he's better than him? Again, just go with it. So, Undertaker confirms his heel turn. Wow, even now that feels strange saying, yep. World Championship, Undertaker heel turn. I just can't quite put these things together in my <laughs> mind. But anyway, he then calls the crowd oh, no, thank you. I've been good company. Calls the crowd Oki Podunks, so you know what's happening here. Then make sure Vince is wearing the cowboy hat. And you know where JR's face ends up next. 
Devinder. I really, really don't want to spend too long talking about this, but I had no choice but to put it on the show today. There's a reason I haven't played the audio. This segment can count itself lucky that it occurred so late in the year that it probably won't be considered for our Russo Award when we get to it in a couple of weeks' time, because otherwise I think it would have been in there. But my goodness me, this was horrible. Ah, the concept of Russo. <laughs> I left that one for you. Nice. Uh, no, nah, it, it was bad. I, there's, there's no, there's no redeeming, you know, points of this segment. Um, I was, I was confused about the Undertaker at first, but it seemed you could just play it up to his undying alliance to Vince McMahon and undying loyalty. You know, kayfabe and in real life. Um, you know, he's signing my checks, so I'm just gonna do what he says. Uh, but yeah, JR didn't deserve that. I, I, there was no. I really, I can bet a good amount of money that there's no follow up on this. And JR won't get his revenge. Oh no. He, you know, no. There's, there's nothing for this. It's, um, you know, just a couple months ago, Kurt Angle won the uh, championship in his hometown, and you know, JR has to, has to be subjected to this. Nah, I, I'm, I'd rather just move on. There's nothing, nothing really to talk about. It's because Jim Ross is Southern, and although he will never admit it, Vince McMahon is Southern. And that's why this will continue to happen. It's a, it's a self-loathing thing. I mean, Vince McMahon mm-hmm. is a trailer park boy, too. I mean, he grew up in a trailer park, and I, I, don't, I don't know what the deal is. Especially with JR. It's such a such a class act that guy oh, it's just, just, and you know what i it jesus I, I feel i feel like it's a juxtaposition of what i've been saying about regal but at least with regal there was a reason and 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 he knows how to play it up and he knows mm-hmm. how to make it entertaining and you know the, the this thing it just didn't work not not that, for jr that was played for laughs this was played for one person and one person only to laugh yeah that's all I need to say. But let's finish with something just a little more edifying, or at least I hope so. The final outcome of the WWF Championship belt and the World Championship belt. There, I got it right that time. Uh, Rick Flair and Vince... <laughs> From the looks of it, though, I'm not going to have to try to say that many more times after next month anyway. I'm very pleased to say. <laughs> well, it looks because like... we, have a new, we have a new word to learn now. All that for three weeks is all going to be gone because we're going to have a undisputed world champion at the Vengeance pay-per-view. There are going to be three matches. It's going to be Steve Austin defending his WWF title against Kurt Angle. Then later in the night, The Rock defends his world championship <laughs> against Chris Jericho. The respective winners of those two matches will then face each other in the main event with the final victor being crowned the undisputed champion. WWF undisputed champion, as if I needed to add that bit. So then, Davinda, two questions to round us off here. Number one, what do you think of them planning on unifying the belts in the first place, having already got rid of the WCW moniker? And secondly, Flair, Vince, The Rock himself, and Austin himself have been allowed to make great play on television of the final coming down to being contested by Austin and The Rock. Do you think that's how this is going to end or how it should end as well? Um, that's a very good question. I believe that that's how it's going to end because you can't go wrong with Austin and Rock. Oof. Multiple time WrestleMania main event. 
uh, feud goes back to the Intercontinental Championship level. Thank God that they didn't change the name of that. Um, I feel like that's how it's going to end, and, and it might be a preview to uh, possibly the, the next WrestleMania. It might be a whole, you know, a schmaz at the end. Maybe there's a a, a way of cheating or something, and then there, we have an undisputed championship. Is that what it is, undisputed championship? Undisputed championship match between um, Austin and Rock. I feel like this is, the, when it comes to the titles, I feel like it's just fixing itself. We need to have one champion again. There's no reason to have Agreed. two champions or one world champion and a, whatever the hell they're calling. You need one world champion. And even though we have that, my head hurts now. We just need one champion. And um, But when I say that, it was a good question because you're asking me if that's how it should go. I don't believe that's how it should go. I just think that that's where the money is. Um, all signs point to green and, and we want to make money as a business. So we put our two biggest stars. How it should go is pretty much what they've been doing is, is allowing talent to elevate themselves to a level that they can be in there with the rock and they can be in there with stone cold. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with them, but Booker T is a good indication of that. Sure. They like, they didn't really handle him as, as good as they should, but he's a hell of a talent. RVD is not far, I mean, he's not there, but he's not far behind in terms of popularity and ring work. Um, but when it comes to Jericho and, and Angle, those are world-class athletes and world-class wrestlers that they proved that, you know, they can be in there with them and not be left behind, so to speak. They won't be overshadowed. And I feel like it should be Angle um, because he's the... Oh, really? Okay. Like, yeah, I feel like he has the biggest magnifying glass on him right now. I feel like they're trying to push him as the top heel. And if he's Vince's boy, I see Vince doing something to make sure that Angle becomes champion. But where I see it going is, you know, Jericho and Angle being left behind and then yeah, Rock. I don't think the fans would forgive them if they didn't give us Rock versus Austin again when it's been set up to happen like this. I, I don't see how they can do anything else. You can worry about splitting pops or anything like you know. Just let that take care of itself. I don't love that Austin is now on the face side of the ledger again, but never mind that. It doesn't matter. Your two biggest faces one more time after the epochal match they had at WrestleMania, and you're going to let them close out the year having one more go around. Nobody is going to dispute that, surely. Of course, then you have to raise the question: Who's going to come out on top? I think both of these guys are incredibly selfless, especially with each other. Uh, if The Rock was asked to do a job, he'd have no problem with it whatsoever. He'd, no issue putting Austin over one more time. And I'd like to think the feeling is mutual as well. And whichever way you come out of it, you can't really lose because you've got something ready-made for WrestleMania, as you rightly say. We can finally get the last... I think it would need to be the very last one at WrestleMania. I'm concerned, even with these two, about diminishing returns kicking in. It hasn't happened with me yet, but... Even I'm possibly susceptible. Jericho and Angle should be allowed to use this time just to rebuild, especially Jericho, I think, because this is new to him, this kind of heel role. I wouldn't consider putting the belt on him at this point, and I don't think they are. Angle could certainly do a lot with it. And much like last year, he's probably the kind of person you'd have to carry the belt through the fallow period of the very late part of the year, early part of the next year. When you have a heel champion at that part of the calendar, it just makes you 
all the more keen and intense to cheer for your number one baby face at the Royal Rumble than to eventually take him out at Mania. So again, lots of paths they could go down, and that is very encouraging. But I think they'd be leaving money on the table if they didn't give us Austin Rock for the penultimate time in two weeks. And we are back in the present day, in good old 2021. Davinda, thank you so much for joining me for the show tonight. You have tons of things going on, so take as long as you need to share with the listeners many of your other projects, my man. Uh, yeah, I don't seem to ever stop, man. It's gonna. You really don't. Gonna make me look. It's gonna make me lose calcium in my bones, and I haven't seen my daughter. <laughs> no, we don't want that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, if you guys can be uh, so gracious to. Go on to YouTube and YouTube DNC Digital. That is my personal um, YouTube channel where I conduct long-form interviews with everybody from uh, UFC cage fighters to um, uh, professional wrestlers to sports figures, musicians and artists and actors and actresses. Um, and then I started a second podcast because why not, right? I started the uh, Gym Class Majors podcast with my buddy Brian Davis. You can find us on Spotify and Google Podcasts, as well as YouTube. Um, follow me on DNC Digital, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, yeah, I just have a lot. It's fun. The true hardest working man in show business. I say it every time. I'm going to keep saying it until it's I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little too high praise for me, but I, I appreciate it. I Not appreciate that. I appreciate that. We really appreciate taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. You're welcome on these shows anytime, my man. Thank you, sir. All that remains is to say that really is it for November 2001. No more shows for the Rustling 20 Years Ago podcast, I promise you. Okay, the indie guys will be along in a few weeks, but <laughs> they're allowed. They, they work in a different timeline. I'm going to let them allow me to type the words November 2001 just one more time. But for the main shows, that's it. It's done. We're moving on to December, I promise, and going back to one show a month. at least until March when the draft kicks in. No, we'll worry about that at a time. So just to recap, because I think you might need it. Volume one for November was looking at the Rebellion pay-per-view. Volume two is where you want to go for our specific Survivor Series 01 review, where we also break down the whole invasion angle in truly painstaking detail. And you've just got through volume three. So a good five hours worth of material for you there as we resort to something akin to normal practice with the reset button still logged down in the ground as we hit December. But Devinda, one more time, thank you again for joining us, sir. No, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate being part of the first wrestling podcast who looks back at pay-per-views 20 years ago. That's how we do it, baby. And we will catch you all again next month. Thank you so much for listening. See you then. I almost forgot. And you know, that's pretty typical because... You're almost forgotten, but Uh-oh. this is your hometown, isn't it, Ric Flair? That's why he's here. Cheap pop, listen. Well, Mr. Flair, why don't you listen to the crowd and tell me this is my hometown or not? We know it. You're over. You're Charlotte. That's all right. This is your hometown, Charlotte, North Carolina. That's great. But this is my ring and you're standing in it, and I want an explanation. There you go. The explanation that I'm gonna give you all revolves around the fact that I bet 
on a winner last night. What the hell are you talking about? I sat home, woo, on the big side of town, in that big house, and I bet on a winner last night. Kurt Angle, let me just say this to you. You're a man that's got an Olympic gold medal. You got a legacy. You're an ambassador. This is no way you want to win the world title. Be Kurt Angle. Be the gold medal winner and be a man that wins by being the best man. So you came down here because it's your hometown to give us your opinion. How nice, Mr. Flair. Nice to see you. Now, goodbye. You want, you want me to just cut it quick right away? I fell out a window last night. And do you know that when Shane and Stephanie sold their stock to that consortium, that the consortium, woo! Wait a minute. What is he saying? Wait a second. The consortium? You don't mean... Woo! The consortium wants me! And now you and I are living in riding, jet flying, kids stealing, wheeling, dealing, setting a gun. You know why? Because we're partners. What? Oh, my God. Flair and McMahon are partners? Yeah. Vince, he's going to have a He's not a business partner, and his business partner is standing by watching with a big smile.